Good morning. Today, I want to talk about friction. I want to talk about the blessings of friction, to speak in praise of friction, uh, but first I want to tell a story. Uh, when I came to Covenant College in the late 80s, I had a cool car. I don't say that to brag, uh, it was just a matter of fact. I had picked up as a hand-me-down from my dad a 1985 Volkswagen GTI. Perhaps you know the car, compact, turbocharged, five-speed manual transmission, sport suspension, the sort of vehicle that Volkswagen claimed would generate car vignuing, <laughs> driving pleasure. Um, it really did, going up and down the mountain. And this car was so cool that it made me cool, or at least made me feel cool. Uh, here is a picture of the car. and me, my senior year in high school in Charlotte, North Carolina. Notice that I am not all that cool, but pay no mind to the short shorts, it was the 80s, or the bandana do-rag, I'm not sure what was going on there. Imagine how cool the black Volkswagen GTI was, particularly driving up and down Lookout Mountain, windows down, some classic REM tunes blaring from the Blaupunk speakers. But this story is not about how cool my car was or how cool I thought it made me look. This story is about a December night in 1992 Friends and I were returning from a road trip to Charlotte where we had watched the NCAA men's soccer Final Four. Ten of us had gone and crashed at my parents' house. We came back in two, gar, two cars, five guys in each car. I was in the lead. We came up Lookout Mountain, remember, Car Fignugan. In the midst of a light rain on a cool, dark night, my transmission was slipping. It was strange. I hadn't had any problems with the car, and the last thing I needed as we headed into exams was car trouble, but that was something I might just have to deal with. The transmission slipped as I came up McFarland Road. It slipped again as we approached the front entrance on Scenic Highway, and it slipped again as we came up the front drive. Frustrating. Then we turned into the north lot, which in my day was student parking. Those were the golden years. I turned into the lot and cut my wheel to the left to head down the far row. But to my shock and dismay, as I turned the wheel, the car did not turn. As if in slow motion, I turned the wheel for a sharp 90 degree left turn, but the car continued on a nice, gentle, parabolic arc right toward the cars parked along the far east side of the north lot. Uh, have you guys ever watched curling? It, it was sort of like that. My car glided ever so gracefully and then hit one, two, three, four, five parked cars in the north lot. 
those cars caromed off of one another <laughs> like stones on a curling sheet. Curling sheet. That is what the ice is called in a curling match. And that's what we were on that fateful night in the North Lot. Ice. Unbeknownst to us, an ice storm had hit Chattanooga. All of this happened in the age before cell phones or weather apps. Uh, we left Charlotte oblivious of the danger. One of my roommate's dads had called my parents uh, to warn us, but we had already hit the road. And we were like the Titanic, steaming toward an iceberg with no way for anyone to divert us from impending disaster. Uh, what was lacking in this scenario besides cell phones and weather apps? What could have saved me from the awkward phone calls I had to make to the parents of my fellow students, assuring them that I, or hopefully my parents' insurance company, would cover the damages to their children's cars? What did my friends and I need in that moment of distress? We needed friction. Yes, lots of people on top of that, that's good. I want to propose today uh, that we all need friction. And before I dive into why we need it, let's make sure we understand what we're talking about when we say friction. According to Oxford English Dictionary, when speaking about physics or mechanics, friction means the resistance which any body meets with in moving over another body. According to Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, it means the force that resists relative motion between two bodies in contact. Some of you out there, probably the engineers in the room, when I mentioned friction, immediately thought of something like this. Uh, yeah. There were a few folks out there who were like, yes. Uh, that's, that's a good starting point, although it might not be helpful for everyone in the room. Um, you'll notice that in both of the definitions I shared, the concept of resistance appears. Uh, friction in the broader sense of the term is that resistance we experience in our everyday lives. When we come into contact with frustrating situations or with individuals or institutions or rules or standards or expectations that slow us down or require effort of us. Um, it's not just physical friction, but also the mental and relational resistance we experience when we encounter inconveniences or have to do hard things. Uh, this variety of friction is also captured in the dictionary definitions. Um, Oxford English Dictionary provides a secondary definition of friction as the jarring or conflict of unlike opinions, temperaments, etc. Uh, Merriam-Webster's does the same, defining friction as the clashing between two persons or parties of opposed views. I believe that friction gets a bad rap in our society. Um, our world regularly and subtly poses the question, um, wouldn't it be great if your life were friction-free? Um, and as a consequence, um, isn't this what we regularly find ourselves looking for? Um, apps that reduce friction, that make our lives easier to manage, services that reduce friction, that make it easier for us to meet our needs or our wants. Um, think about how often that promise is held out to us, the promise of a friction-free life with no labor or effort standing between us and the experience or products we desire. And of course, none of us like resistance um, or unnecessary work or waiting. Uh, we experience the siren song of a friction-free existence across all dimensions of our lives. Uh, being able to listen to whatever song we want to, whenever we want to, wherever we are, without the friction of having to get in our car and go to the record store, whatever a record store is, or listen to the other songs on the album in order to get to the one we like, or to place a needle on vinyl, which actually creates physical friction that produces sound waves. 
Um, being able to place an order without having to talk to anyone, without any of the friction that might arise from having to interact with another human being. Uh, I know people who prefer to order Chick-fil-A solely from the app so they don't have to talk to the person behind the register or here, my pleasure. Being able to get a grade in a course without having to endure the friction of in-classroom encounters with a professor or fellow students, nor the friction of having to get out of bed and get across campus to go to class. Being able to get the thing that we've purchased without having to leave the comfort of our home and our pajamas. DoorDash makes a killing off of people's desire to eliminate the friction of having to go out to get their food, um, let alone cook for themselves. And DoorDash's take is puny compared to that of Amazon, who make it possible for us to purchase almost anything under the sun from the comfort of our couch. Not only do we not have to leave our couch, um, if we're a Prime member, we can receive our new possessions in just two days, or in some cases one day, or in some markets, even the same day. Um, how friction-free is that? You don't have to talk to anyone, you don't have to brush your teeth, you don't have to put on clothes, you don't have to leave your house. You don't have to wait long. It just appears without any friction. It's a miracle. But is it good? Now, let me be clear that I think that many of the conveniences that we enjoy in the modern Western world, um, conveniences that make our lives easier, that reduce uh, friction, um, are good. I, I thank God for those things. Um, and I would re readily acknowledge that there are some forms of friction that are unnecessary or even harmful. Um, there's little good in the friction of, of having to stand in a ridiculously long line at the DMV. Um, friction can cause chafing. Chafing is not good. Friction causes skin knees and road rash. Check with anyone who's wiped out on a bike or on a motorcycle. Um, they'll tell you that is not good. Um, check with Jay Dillon. He will tell you that skin knees are not good. But I fear that our culture has developed a passion for eliminating friction, for creating a friction-free existence that hurts us in the end um, because we need friction, because friction is good for us. Now, obviously, in the story I told at the outset of this talk, a little friction would have been helpful. It would have kept me and my hallmates from sliding like a curling stone into a row of parked cars in the north lot. There are many other instances we could think of in which friction is actually helpful to us. Um, there's friction or resistance of one sort or another involved in many of the activities we engage in. Athletes know that when you want to get stronger, you lift weights, right? The resistance of the weights causes your muscles to develop. Um, if you are a lineman in American football, you push a blocking sled, go pack. I heard a boo down there. That's terrible. Uh, the friction alignment encounters uh, makes him stronger, right? If you're a sprinter trying to improve your times, uh, you might train with a sprint parachute. The resistance, the friction that's generated by wind resistance makes you faster. Um, it would be accurate to say that every sort of training or practice incorporates a friction uh, of some sort. There's nothing friction-free about getting to the studio early in the morning to practice your instrument. There's nothing friction-free about yet another vocal practice when you could be sitting in the blink with your friends eating a buffalo chicken wrap. There's nothing friction-free about hiking down to the Lucas Art Workshop to hone your painting skills and then having to hike back up. There's nothing friction-free about going over hundreds of lines yet again to ensure that you nail them when you're on stage. Shout out to the cast of The Crucible.
was a really good show for those of you guys who missed it. Um, there's certainly nothing friction-free about heading to the library to do research or work on a problem set or write a paper um, when you could be headed off the mountain with friends, right? All of these activities involve a friction of sorts in the broad sense of the term. All of them cause some discomfort, perhaps muscle soreness, perhaps even exhaustion. Would life be easier if we didn't have friction? Well, the answer is yes, it would be easier. Um, but my contention today is that easier does not mean better. Um, Friction-free is not always good. And for support for my thesis, I want to turn to one of the greatest love stories of all time, the 2008 Pixar film, WALL-E. Uh, the humans in WALL-E live a friction-free life. Um, it's one where they enjoy every convenience, um, they have all of their wants and needs met without any efforts, without embodied human interaction, uh, incapable even of standing up on their own because they've lived lives without resistance, uh, without any friction. And we all know when we start to think about it that friction makes us stronger, um, that friction, friction makes us better in the end. There are innumerable examples of the ways in which friction, uh, pushing against some sort of friction, helps us to develop our God-given capacities, helps us to be more fully human. Um, let me give just a couple that pertain to our efforts to develop our skills and capacities, our efforts to uh, learn, since that's something we're into here at Covenant College. Uh, research tells us that we retain more information uh, when we read a hard copy text as opposed to a text on a screen. Um, in fact, college students in a national research study, digital natives, uh, report that they prefer to re read course assignments in print uh, because they concentrate better when they're reading a physical copy. Um, it's not easy, or it's not as easy to do that. It means you can't just pull a text up on your phone or on your laptop uh, where the words sort of glide effortlessly across the screen. You have to pick up a book. You have to flip through its pages. Um, you have to run your eyes across the words that are printed on a page. Um, there is friction in that, um, but there's also a payoff. Uh, the reading experience is stickier. Um, the same goes for taking notes. Um, Again, research says that students remember more, um, learn more, when they take notes by hand. Um, you can't do it as fast as you would uh, typing on a keyboard, but that's exactly the point. The friction that's caused by writing, the way it slows you down, the way it forces you to think and to summarize and organize, instead of simply transcribing as many words as fast as possible, um, that helps you remember, it helps you learn. Um, and that's to say nothing of the manner in which, it's, in which we seem to learn with our bodies in which the engagement of our physical being and the learning process strengthens uh, the embedding of knowledge in us. Um, reading books, taking notes by hand, using our bodies to learn, all those things introduce friction. Um, friction that we wouldn't have to deal with if we just read from a screen, took notes on a screen, pursued all of our learning virtually. Uh, but that friction gives us traction. Um, and that traction and friction help us grow. Um, if you think about it, there's a lot of what might be regarded as friction in education. Uh, there's friction in going to class. There's friction in going to chapel. Um, there's friction in going to eat lunch in the Great Hall. There's friction in going to church. Um, none of these things are quote-unquote convenient. Uh, yet they help us to become who we want to be. Um, help us to become who God wants us to be. Um, embracing that friction, that resistance helps us to grow. Now, this is not a new insight. Um, the ancient Romans had an aphorism 
uh, a wise saying about the way in which resistance uh, led to growth. Um, that saying was palma subpondera crescit. It's on this coin here from the 19th century, uh, which means the palm grows strong uh, under a weight. Uh, we actually sang something like this just a little while ago. Um, in the ancient world around the Mediterranean Sea, uh, landowners would tie weights or would place weights on top of young palm trees, uh, knowing that doing so would actually cause those trees to grow stronger, um, to grow stouter, to be more resilient in the face of inevitable storms. And not surprisingly, Scripture also has something to say about the blessing of friction, um, the benefits of resistance. The Apostle uh, James tells us in, his, in chapter 1 of his epistle, uh, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It seems kind of crazy on the face of it, right? But James tells us that we should consider the trials we face a source of joy. Why? Because that testing of our faith helps us to remain steadfast, which literally means to stand fast, to be fixed or firm or resolved. And steadfastness leads to wholeness and completeness. Now, James is clearly speaking here of the testing of our faith, which is a little different than the frictions we might encounter in our education or in our relationships. But nevertheless, there's a principle here uh, that has broad application um, and that runs counter to the prevailing mindset of our 21st century modern consumerist technological culture. Um, and that is that sometimes friction or resistance is good. Uh, scripture also suggests that a little friction in our relationships might not be all bad. Uh, I'm not talking about unhealthy or sinful interactions with those around us. The Apostle Paul's clear in the book of Galatians that we are to avoid enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. Um, those are listed as deeds of the flesh in Galatians 5, and that kind of friction is not good. But that doesn't necessarily mean that every aspect of our relationship should be easy. Um, Paul himself called Peter onto the carpet for his failure to accept Gentile believers. That probably caused some friction, um, and certainly that was a good thing. As I think about the healthy friction of relationships, I tend to think, as I'm sure you do as well, of the very famous verse from Proverbs 27, uh, verse 17, in which the Holy Spirit tells us through the words of Solomon, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Um, we like that verse. It's sort of a meme-worthy verse. Uh, but I think it's easy for us to forget that it implies um, friction. Uh, when, when one piece of iron sharpens another, uh, sometimes sparks fly. Uh, these sparks are the direct product of the force being applied to these two pieces of metal as they come into contact with one another, um, as they rub up against each other. Uh, but even if there are no sparks in iron sharpening iron, um, there's still friction. Um, that friction might be a necessary confrontation. It might be an unintended slight. It might be the inconvenience of getting up early to meet over breakfast and pray together. Um, it might be the miles logged to get in a car and go be with a friend in person in the flesh. My point in all this is this, um, when you are tempted by the promise of a friction-free life, or when you encounter trials, or when you find yourself frustrated with resistance or friction, know that often it is friction that actually helps you become the sort of person you want to be, um, to be the sort of person God wants you to be. He works through the difficulties you face, the challenges you encounter, the assignments or practices 
uh, that stretch you, the imperfect interactions you have with others, uh, the embodied activities you engage in as you learn. He works through all these points of friction to shape and mold you into the person he would have you to be. We should be wary of the world's insistence that all friction is bad, that easier is always better. Um, Certainly there are unnecessary inconveniences. But the world right now is selling us a vision of a friction-free life predicated on the idea that easier is always better, and we need to push back on that idea. Uh, If you take some philosophy courses here at Covenant College, you may run into the work of Ludwig Wittgenstein. I am no scholar of Wittgenstein, uh, so you have to ask Wingard or Davis if you have questions about him. Uh, But I love the way he captured our need for friction in his philosophical investigations. Um, There he wrote that we have got on to slippery ice where there is no friction. And so in a certain sense, the conditions are ideal. But also, just because of that, we are unable to walk. We want to walk, so we need friction. Back to the rough ground. And my charge to you today is in a world that constantly pitches to us, both explicitly and in very subtle ways, the benefits of the life of convenience, the friction-free life, the easier-is-better life. Uh, We need to heed Wittgenstein's counsel, um, and more importantly, we need to heed the counsel of Scripture. We need to embrace the friction that God so helpfully places in our lives. We, as followers of Jesus Christ, have been called to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Without friction, we're unable to walk. Um, So let's get back to the rough ground. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for um, your love for us, and we're thankful for the fact that in your love for us, uh, you challenge us and you stretch us. We, pray, we thank you for the fact that you put friction in our lives that grants to us traction, um, that allows us to grow, and that allows us to walk with you. Father, we pray that you would uh, make us eager to embrace those frictions in order that we might walk, in order that we might grow, and in order that you might be honored and glorified through us. We ask this in the name of your Son, our Savior and King, Jesus Christ. Amen.